As a leader of your company, you must stay up to date with your strategies and execution or risk obsolescence. Welcome to the Finnovate Show, financial services innovators bringing you the future today. And now, here's your host, Jerry Purcell. It's the Finnovate Show, brought to you by Innovation 360 Group. I'm Jerry Purcell. Get ready to think about your biggest challenges and capitalize on your biggest opportunities after this. Executives depend on external consultants to fill knowledge and experience gaps or to have an experienced mind audit their thinking. The Innovation 360 Group brings together a wide range of proven thought leadership from around the globe and cost-effectively makes it available to you. Get the insights, advice, and systems you need to succeed. Learn more at www.innovation360.com. Our guests today reflect a cross-section of the financial services community. It would be an understatement to say that there's a lot of change taking place in the financial services industry, and perhaps it's unprecedented and certainly transformational. The ebbs and flows of that change portend significant implications for the future, or do they? Is there an opportunity to turn the financial services business on its head? Today, my guests and I will talk about that evolution, where we are going, the changes that are taking place, and how, and if this impacts the future look and feel of financial services. With me today are Karen Moynihan, co-founder and CEO of Boss Insights, a fintech focused on the digital commercial banking space, Mahima Potter, Group Head of Personal Banking at Equitable Bank and EQ Bank, its direct-to-consumer digital bank, Panagiosis Cryarsis, Head of Business Development for Unzer, a leading international payments platform, and Richard Goiter, Head of Value Proposition at Finaptic Technologies, a B2B banking-as-a-service provider, and a part of the National Bank of Canada. We'll find out a bit more about each of them, their respective businesses and perspectives as we proceed with our discussion. Welcome all to the Finnovate Show. So let's start with some context. Panagiotis, I've chatted with you about this subject quite a bit, and you have shared some intriguing views on, on how financial services is evolving from your perspective. Can you briefly tell us about your own business and specifically about your four-phase model and, importantly, your views on the phase that we are now entering? You call it the rebundling phase. Yes. So thank you for this. The, the, the question generally is, uh, is very interesting. I would say to make things uh, simple, that we can start regarding the four phases. So I would start from, from the beginning of the 2000s. I think this has, um, has marked the effort of uh, financial services players to experiment with uh, digital channels. So the same services from the same institutions, but using digital uh, channels. So that's a simplified version to, to put it. And I think this, this was primarily involving uh, incumbents, the traditional banks going online and setting up uh, online services under the roof of what we know today as uh, online banking. Then we have a kind of a milestone. I would put it in uh, back in 2007 with the launch of the first iPhone. And despite the fact that we, it was only a few years after that we kind of have uh, noticed the marketplace kind of mentality that this has brought to the, 
to the ecosystem and the fact that you have all these different apps that you can download and experiment with and have developers, I would say that this is uh, certainly a milestone uh, in the way that it has uh, revolutionized uh, all the kind of uh, the fintech uh, ecosystem going forward. And it has kind of led to this uh, second decade, this second phase, I would say starting roughly from uh, 2010 until the end for, for a decade, where you have these enhanced services, leveraging uh, all different kinds of, uh, kinds of technologies. And in between, I would say that together with this 2007 milestone, you do have also the 2008 financial crash, whereby fintech is kind of becoming then a common term outside of the finance uh, world. And you also have um, two kind of um, reasons for this. The first one is that you do have uh, the VCs, uh, the venture capital uh, firms of this world, uh, trying to, let's say, Understanding that some of the businesses that they were investing in so far have not been uh, providing the return on investment that they were looking for because of the crash, they turn to this uh, fintech space, that's one. And the second one, because of the crash, I would say you have lots of talented people uh, looking at the space and be uh, being ready to, to do stuff on the space and to embark on building uh, companies and uh, providing solutions that were not on the market until this point. And the third uh, phase, just very briefly, I would say is uh, what we are now, I mean, what you're now experiencing, I would say that we have all kinds of uh, new technologies. Uh, we have uh, open banking. We have this kind of uh, marketplace mentality that has uh, taken the, the, the world of finance by, by storm. And of course, you have this embedded finance. So if you put all of this together, I think you do have this uh, kind of uh, third phase. And you also have, because you mentioned before, Jerry, I mean, you have this kind of rebundling because if we, if we, if we say, for example, that the, the fintechs going on the market and offering lots of different uh, services on a niche basis, this was the, um, the unbundling, meaning that you take one bank, you take these uh, different products and uh, you try to, uh, to understand what are the problems and what you can do to solve the pain points. I think now we are also experiencing this so-called uh, rebundling. And I think I'm sure we're going to come to the discussion because of this uh, super up discussion. So how you can uh, bring under one roof different products and different services. So it's a kind of the opposite of what was uh, happening at the time. So this is in a, in a nutshell, I would say, some kind of stages and some food, food for thought for, uh, for discussion. Thank you. So I find it really fascinating sort of how things evolve, and I have a tendency to think about the past and the parallels and stuff, but we'll go away from there because I'm too old. But what I'd really like to do is I'd like to talk about how this is going to change the trajectory of financial services, and I guess if you think it will. So the first question I guess I have is, you know, how, how will that change how customers bank? And I thought maybe the best one to call out on that is Richard. And Richard, maybe you tell us a little bit about your business at the same time. Sure. Happy to, Jerry. So yeah, so Fnaptic is building a banking as a service platform, an end-to-end -end platform. So everything from customer onboarding, KYC, AML, all the way through to providing all of the necessary regulatory and compliance coverage and the balance sheet. And, you know, we do, we're, we're a fintech startup. We're now part of National Bank of Canada. And I think we describe ourselves as providing banking as a service. But I think the point that your question raises is, what the end consumer considers to be banking. So, you know, all of us have worked in the financial services industry for a long time. We all know what we mean by banking. 
But I think you have to ask yourself when um, somebody is on an online shopping site and they click the PayPal button, do they think they're banking? I think when somebody is checking out of a store and they choose the buy now, pay later option, is that, do they think that they're banking? But, you know, we all regard those things as being banking services and things that we would, you know, we as Fanaptic would look to provide people with access to payment rails, with access to credit. But I think to Panagiotis's point about the way this is changing and the, the way the services have been fragmented and are now being rebundled in a different array, the question for the consumer is that, you know, they don't think of themselves as banking, so therefore they aren't necessarily looking for a bank to perform these activities for them. And I think that's, you know, when you talk about the way it's going to change the financial services landscape, I think that's the important one, that what have been traditional bundles of activities which we associate with particular kinds of companies, so this is what a bank does, um, this is what a credit card company does, this is what an insurer does, um, I'm not sure that consumers will continue to recognize those categories and therefore the providers are going to have to think very differently about how they fit into that landscape and how they address those customer needs. Yeah, it's really interesting in terms of how the mindsets of, of customers either, either is evolving or the, or the financial service industry is evolving in, in terms of how it listens to it. On the bundling side of things, uh, Mahima, so what's your view on you know, the evolution of financial services? I mean, I think it's really interesting. Like we're talking about coming somewhat out of the unbundling phase. I think at least in Canada, we're still very much in it. And so maybe we're starting to see the beginning phases of rebundling. But I think throughout it, the, the checking account or the current account in, in the UK, for example, has been at the core of that banking relationship. And I think what we're going to see is more and more fintechs leverage their existing presence in, in payments, for example, or aggregation or whatever the areas that they're competing in to get more into this checking account space and store of money. Uh, I think we're seeing it even with WISE or what used to be TransferWISE is now they're moving into cross-border bank accounts. So leveraging the international Ritman's rails they've built to get into cross-border bank accounts. And so I think we're going to see more and more of that. And then that checking account, if you will, becomes the hub or the core for other products. So once you have the, the checking account, then I think you'll start to see fintechs move into lending, for example, or overdraft or credit cards. And the motivation is two-part. One is you you increase profitability and relevance as you gain more and more of that customer's wallet. But then also, I think there's pockets of profitability in financial, in banking period that are more lucrative. And so I think fintechs will kind of gradually move towards those pockets of profitability. And Richard might agree or disagree with me, but I'll turn it to him. <laughs> well, I just, I think your point about the profitability of the different, different products and the different pools is really important because Traditionally, the day-to-day -day banking account, the checking account or current account, has not been particularly profitable. You know, and you know, that's a relative statement. Clearly, in the Canadian market, there's plenty of money to be made in, in them, but in other markets, that's less true. But they've always been effectively a way of building the relationship with the customer in the long term, because people are very reluctant to change checking account provider, which then enables you to sell in those other products, such as credit, investment management, 
but all the other pieces which allow you to actually make money from those. So the unbundling we saw where the fintechs were able to target particular profit pools and start to fragment it and go after credit cards, payment cards, you know, different forms of credit, that you know, was an opportunity to sort of go and you know, seek, seek out those individual profit pools. The question is, is there a rebundled future where the players are prepared to invest in the kind of long-term relationships that are required to make a day-to-day banking relationship profitable? Or have we moved to the stage where it's going to remain fragmented because nobody, can re- nobody really wants to provide that level of service effectively for no great revenue so that they can sell other products? I think that's the traditional model. You have a long-term relationship with your customer based on day-to-day banking, and then you sell them a bunch of other stuff where you make money on. The fragmentation has kind of broken that model. And you know, the question is, is there a solution which moves us back to something that looks like that, but on a digital platform so that it's, you know, um, you know, it's cheaper to run, so therefore you don't have to support a big you know, bricks and mortar network and an ATM network, so it's sustainable? Or is the bundling something completely different? And so what you see is bundling more of the form of, say, you know, as you say, transfer wise, where if what you want to do is be able to manage your money across different continents, you, you know, you have your money with wise. If you're running a small business, you have your money with Shopify. So I think that's the, uh, you know, that's the, the question of where does that rebundling go, where, you know, the ability to build the long term relationship coupled with access to those profit pools, or are we now in a situation where technology means that people will always be able to pick off those individual profit pools. And so the, you know, the era of the long-term banking relationship is effectively dead. Hey there, Jerry here with a word from our sponsor, Innovation360 Group. Are you in the market for innovation management software? According to Forrester Research, 53% of global services decision makers say that they are. What features are you looking for? Decision makers tell us that they look for solutions that provide a 360-degree view of their environment with access to internal and external sources. Feedback loops for participants and the ongoing iteration of ideas are critical, as are tools for the development of pilots and proof-of-concept efforts, and support for the selection and commercialization of their innovative ideas. But that's not all. In addition to ideation tools, decision makers look for solutions that will help them strengthen the design and the governance of their innovation management programs, including structure, staffing, capability assessment, and metrics that are driven by industry standards, world-class benchmarking, and strategy support. Innovation 360 Group's InnoSuite meets those needs, and then some. Contact me to find out more at jerry.persil at innovation360group.com or on my mobile at plus one four one six two zero zero two three three eight. So let's bring in the discussion around the other side, or one of the other sides of financial services, commercial banking, and uh, and Karen's fo- focus is predominantly in that space. What, what do you think the implications are for in the commercial banking space, and perhaps for platforms in particular? First off, I just want to say how much I love the discussion so far, Richard. I could not agree more with what you're saying. I am in violent agreement with what you're saying. Scotiabank came out with a, with a slogan for consumers. You're richer than you think. And it didn't talk about checking accounts and it didn't talk about savings accounts or credit cards. It was just customer focused. And we have nothing like that in commercial. Nothing. It's all around loans. And I would argue that the average business owner 
doesn't really know whether they need a term facility, an operating line, a credit card in order to get things moving forward. So my argument would be that it is time to get best in breed technology and stitch it together so that things are less expensive to operate. And anyone who's a financial services provider can put the services back in financial services. It should be easier for a business to get access to a loan facility than it is. And yet there's such a disconnect between what business owners need and what service providers are able to give that the adage in the industry for anyone who's playing within it is that it's just as expensive to operate a $25,000 loan as it is a $2.5 million loan, but you earn less. Except that's not true anymore, and it hasn't been for some time. Fintechs have shown that, right? Boss Insights is a data aggregator as a service, and we've shown that. We've shown we can get business loans approved 36% faster, and the monitoring and the yearly renewals 500% faster and for 60% less cost. So we need to stitch all of those learning points together. Businesses should get access to capital, and they can. They can get access to approvals in 20 minutes if they want to. They're just paying a lot more for it, and they don't get a full-service relationship. What we have the opportunity to do in market, especially this market where there's more opportunities and less competition, is really put together all the best-in-class fintechs who are solving this problem for businesses and tie them with the financial institutions that have the best brands and then delight the, the companies, get their approvals happening. So that would be my opening thoughts. Very interesting. So Panagiotis, you, you focus a lot on the payment rails. So, so talk about payments uh, in the context of this conversation so far. So I, I don't believe that uh, payments are any different from uh, the previous points that were, that were made. I think we have uh, all been uh, touching upon one um, kind of uh, very different, very important uh, terminology, which is the relationship. And I think the, the topic around the having the, the taking account and everything is going back exactly to the who is owning the, the relationship with the customer, be it on the retail side, be it on the, on the business side. I think this is uh, going to be one of the things that are changing the game going forward. And the question is how much the customer uh, trusts you how much of a of a gateway you are for the customer, not only for your, let's say, niche market for the initial service that we are offering, but for an additional bundle of services. And uh, I mean, if we take, for example, uh, what was uh, Karen mentioned before, let's say the lending, there are so many needs that uh, SMEs and uh, companies have beyond lending that, uh, okay, lending is, is, is probably one of the main pain points or payments but there are much, much, many more things that you can do to add value. And the question is, are you the, this gateway that uh, the companies or the, the, the customers, they trust and they feel that you are the, they, they can trust you with their additional services uh, or not? So you don't necessarily, and this is applying also on the, on the retail side, on the business side, on the payment side, you don't necessarily have to own the, the technology and the infrastructure to do things anymore. I think this is, uh, let's say, the, the, the universal banking model that uh, used to be the, the case in the past, but this was never so successful, I would say. 
but we are now in, in, in a different, I would say, transition. And in this one, the customer relationship is probably the most important thing that you that you're going to have, depending if you're playing on the B2B side or on the, on, the, on the B2C side. But the one who is going to control the customer relationship is going to control the pricing, is going to control what kind of uh, services you're going to offer to the customers and so on and so forth. And that's why the discussion around the marketplaces and around the ecosystems has been taking up uh, lately because at the end of the day is about exactly this point. So, and for me, especially for banks and for financial institutions, so traditional banks are not anymore, uh, they don't have the monopoly on this kind of services. And this is where the game is changing. And there is a question to be had, okay, what are the different business models or what are the different uh, changes you can do to service the customers? Are you going to focus on your strengths? Are you going to focus on your technology or are you going to, to focus on your licensing? Are you going to focus on the things that you do well? But this cannot be everything. So you have to, to choose what you do best. And I would say you have to, to be in a position to in-house, in-source uh, the rest in a way that makes sense and in a way that the customers are not uh, easy to understand. And this is going back to the embedded uh, experience. So I'm uh, offering a service but because the service is so well integrated with different kinds of flows and products and services, the, the end customer does not uh, really realize who is at the end of the day offering what service. And at the end of the day, I don't think they care who is offering as long as they trust the, 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 the company that is uh, offering, that is having the business uh, relationship. One of the thoughts I thought was quite interesting from Richard was this, what is banking? Because I think that's at the, at the core of a lot of the potential for the future. And, and in particular, when we look outside financial services, we look at the leaders in those industries. The leaders in those industries are really talking about value creation as opposed to problem solving. And I think a lot of the work that happens or has happened historically inside financial services has been about problem solving. And so in my view, what is banking, the answer to what is banking is, and this sort of concept of long-term relationship is really a pact between an, en an entity that's providing service and a customer where they're both aligned with their long-term goals. And I don't know that that's in fact how we have progressed historically within the financial services industry. I guess my question is, what do you think? That wraps up this episode. Join us for the second in the series next week. And my guests and I will build on our discussion of industry evolution and talk about answers to questions like, what do customers think that banking really is? Does scale matter in turning the industry upside down? Is digitization central to success, or is it old news? As always, I look forward to hearing your thoughts about today's or other episodes. Keep the conversation going. Go to www.innovation360.com to listen to more shows, ask for a transcription of today's show, or to contact today's guests. You've been listening to The Finnovate Show with Jerry Purcell. If you like the show, share it on your network and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can go to www.innovation360.com to listen to more shows, download the transcription from today's show, or to contact today's guest. This is The Finnovate Show, financial services innovators bringing you the future today. Today.